And notice they love John. They love John the Baptist. They've been hanging out with him. They wanted to follow him, but they failed to realize what his real purpose was in all of this. They wanted the movement to grow, to continue, and perhaps to be involved in it themselves, which they were. And like normal people, when, you, when something big is happening and, and there's a lot of attention, most of us like to latch on to that. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. We don't know the details of the dispute, but in that discussion, the disciples of John the Baptist learned that Jesus' disciples were baptizing and Jesus was drawing large crowds. John the Baptist's disciples seemed alarmed, but it didn't bother John one bit. John would not allow envy or the crowds to make him forget his mission, which was to announce that the Messiah had come and then to step back and let the attention be focused upon the Messiah. John the Baptist was a great example for us as we walk with Jesus. Now here's Pastor Rob. And there's no sin within him. What great, what a great proof text. Because if someone in his own family can attest to his deity, I would say that's a pretty big deal, wouldn't you? In addition to all the hundreds of other things, the prophecies, Jesus is God in the flesh. We must do something with him. For the unbeliever, we have to come to him. Jesus said to Nicodemus, remember, you must be born again. It's not an option. If we are going to go to heaven, everybody wants to go to heaven. Is there anybody here this morning that doesn't want to go to heaven? There's nobody who doesn't. Or everybody wants to go to heaven. But the question is, What's the parameters of heaven? How do you get there? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father except through me. Because he was the only one who paid the price by spilling his own godly, holy blood on the cross for you and I. And God, the Father, accepted it. And it was a done deal. And that's why Jesus on the cross could say in the Aramaic, to tell us they I, it is finished. The price of the redemption of man has been paid in full. He basically took out that giant rubber stamp and he stamped all of humanity. And all we have to do is believe in what he did. How simple is that? And yet, for most people, that's the biggest stumbling block. You mean I I don't have to do anything to earn it? No, you just believe in him. Well, that's too easy. I can't do that. Okay. (laughs) You know, aren't we stubborn? 
God gives us a free gift. He opens up the smorgasbord, you know, and he, he offers everything for us. And all we've got to do is come and dine, come and be with him. And yet we're like, no, no, I've got to feel like I've got to earn it. I've got to do something to earn this. Well, to, one of the qualifications of heaven is to understand that you can't deserve it. And you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I never could deserve it. I could never do enough good things to get to heaven. But notice John's disciples here, they're like, Lord, the one that you've been testifying of beyond Jordan, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. All are coming to him. Do you pick up a little jealousy? Do you pick up a little bit of a spirit of competition here? It's not uncommon. It seems that John's disciples weren't aware of what John the Baptist's ministry was all about. And he did tell them. He tells us right there. He says in, in verse 28, you know, you yourselves bear witness that I said that I am not the Christ. I'm the forerunner. I'm the one who came before. In fact, he says this, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the ways of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. In Malachi, behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. This, these two verses are speaking of John the Baptist's ministry, written hundreds of years before he would even be born. Isaiah wrote that 700 years before John the Baptist would even be born. That's a long time. But that was his ministry. He was the bridegroom. He was the one to take the bride, to prepare her, to get her and bring her to him. And once the, once the, the friend of the bridegroom, the best man, once he was handed off the bride to the bridegroom, his job was done. And blessed is John, I tell you. Can you imagine? His ministry only lasted six months. And yet, the most significant six months. Don't ever gauge a ministry by how long or short it is. Because from all outward uh, understanding of what John did, his ministry was a complete failure. And not only that, but he was beheaded in jail. Six months. Ah, but the God sees very differently, doesn't he? He does. He sees things very differently. So we ought not to size up ministries. Very wrong thing to do. But John was that one. And notice, they loved John. They loved John the Baptist. They'd been hanging out with him. They wanted to follow him, but they failed to realize what his real purpose was in all of this. They wanted the movement to grow, to continue, and perhaps to be involved in it themselves, which they were. And like normal people, when, you, when something big is happening and, and there's a lot of attention, most of us like to latch on to that. And if you're at the ground, you know, if you're at the ground zero of that work, there's a lot of excitement. And you want it to keep going. You want it to continue to grow. There's it's a very natural thing. But John says, guys, you don't understand. My job is done here. And that's why he would say in what chapter two, he would say, or in chapter one, Behold the Lamb of God, follow him. I'm done. That takes a real man. And it takes a man who really understands his purpose and what God's plan for his life was to be able to say to them, guys, this has been really great. I've had a wonderful time. This has been the greatest joy of my life. To be baptizing people and to be around you and to be pointing the way to him. But now he's here. I must decrease. I must decrease. And he must increase 
And again, this hint of jealousy. And unfortunately, this often happens even in the church. You know, there's Christian leaders who have groups of people following them. They have a lot of Twitter followers, a lot of Facebook followers. And even though they're on the same team, they serve the same God, they, have a, they may even have a same or similar vision. They're at odds with one another because of how big one is getting and how the other one is not so big. And so there's, there's always this uh, jealousy and this kind of infighting. And it's a really carnal thing. And unfortunately, even in the, in the church today, in America, in the world for that matter, there is still a lot of carnality even within the Christian church here in America. You know, if the Apostle Paul were to be alive today, he would write a letter called Americonians. <laughs> Instead of Corinthians, he would write Americonians. And he would be addressing our carnality. Not necessarily you, but, I, I, but if you're like me, I, I'm aware of carnality in my life. I don't like it. I want it to go. And I imagine you do too. And you know, we are blessed to be in a movement, in a denomination, if you will, that holds the Word of God in high esteem. And why wouldn't a church hold the Word of God in high esteem? If you go to a church where the Word of God is not being opened, I would encourage you to leave that church. If you're going to a church where all it is is worship and smoke and mirrors and lights and entertainment, you better run. But often in the church, there can be men and women jockeying for a position. And again, there's nothing wrong with being excited and being blessed. There's nothing wrong with that. I wish we had even more servants in the church. There was a time many years ago where we had so many people wanting to get involved. But it seems like COVID has come and struck at the heart of the church and just hurt so many people. And many people will never see again. I don't know why. But what are we doing? Why are we doing what we're doing? Is it for Jesus? Is it for him to the end that people will come into a right relationship with him and be saved? Or is it about us? Like we sang this morning, it's, it's all about you. You know, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about us. But are we competing for position, or for notoriety? These are things that we have to examine, don't we? I have to examine my heart all the time. It's very easy because we, we, grow, we grew up in a culture, folks. We grew up in a system in our country where success means big. Success means more. Success means flashy. Success means this. And we've grown up and, and we can't. It seems like it's not, that we, it's not that we can't, but I think maybe the word is won't. We have a hard time justifying those things. In Mark chapter 9, it says, Jesus came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what, was, what were you disputing among yourselves on the road? But the disciples kept silent, for on the road they were disputing among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down and he called the twelve and he said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Boy, there's a, a great uh, idea for ministry. And then he took a little child and set him, set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, and I love that, he took him in his arms. Would have loved to have been that child 
to have the very physical arms of Jesus wrapped around you. I'd never wash myself again. <laughs> he took a little child, set him in the midst. When he had put his arms around him, he said, Whoever receives one of these little children of my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. And then he says something interesting in verse 38 there in Mark 9. He says, Now John answered him, saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, Don't forbid him. No one, can, no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me, for he who is not against us is on our side. I love that. But yet... If he's not one of us, then you know the, the natural thing is to you know shoot at him and to get him away because he's not part of our team. I think Christianity is big enough for all of us <laughs> and for every ministry that might be on the on the planet. I don't think we have to worry about um, having you know enough space. There's there's plenty of space. In fact, there's so much space. What did Jesus say? The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. And whatever that means to you, you know, God may not call you to be a missionary. God may not call you to be in a, in a, in a formal, you know, ministry. But we are all ministers. We are all called to share the good news wherever you're at. God needs people in the workforce. He does. Because who's going to tell them if they're all in, in the church, you know, and, and they got, you know, they're serving. Or, or they're um, pastors and teachers. We need people out in the real world, too. That's how people see. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 3. And again, John is kind of pushing away this idea of this competing. You're of John, and I'm of Jesus. Paul addressed that in 1 Corinthians 3. Look, let's look at the first, three, or first nine verses. It says, And I, brethren, Paul says, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you are not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. And I wonder, in the church at large in America, if, if that fits many of us. Maybe not any of you. Maybe it's only me. <laughs> which may be true, <laughs> right? For where there are still envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, who these were two teachers. He says, when one says this, and I'm of Paul, and I'm of Apollos, he goes, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. So we are all fellow workers in this. There's really no one, and we ought not to fall into that, that kind of carnality where we start comparing one another. In verse 21 of that same chapter, he says, Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, who is Peter, or the world, notice, or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. I don't know, that kind of wraps up everything. Didn't Jesus say the meek shall inherit the earth? 
You may not feel like it right now, but folks, do you recognize that we are going to inherit the earth? We will spend a thousand years on this earth after the great tribulation period, after Christ returns and we return with him. We will spend a thousand years. You, brother and sister, we will inherit this earth. And it'll be much better than it is now. And it gets even better than that because at the end of that thousand years, what happens? We get a new heavens and a new earth. Materials of that new heavens and the new earth are made of gold and silver and things, precious things. For eternity, we'll be in that state. I don't know about you, but that's good news for us, isn't it? In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, it says, For who makes you differ from one another, and what do you have that you did not first receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you, or I'm sorry, now if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? We have been given everything. God has given us everything. In fact, that's what worship is. It's a response, right, to what God has already done. We don't worship God. Nothing comes from me. I'm responding to what he has done. That's what worship is. Because if I, if I wasn't responding to him, where would my worship be? I'm responding to him because of the great things that he's done. Just the, 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 the fact alone that you saved my life for eternity, that I'll never see death and hell. Real spiritual death in hell, eternal torment. I'll never see that. That alone is to cause me to fall on my face and worship him. Oh, I wish, I pray that God would even grab even a greater uh, share of our hearts with that idea. Me included. Because if I really understand that, that will transform our worship of God. It really will. It'll change us. The more we think about just that fact alone, not, and, and, and then you factor in all the other things. Oh my goodness. It's incredible. So our worship is a response always. He does, we initi- or he initiates, we respond to what he has initiated, all that he's done. That's worship. That is worship. And sometimes it is a sacrifice of praise because you don't feel like it all the time. And neither do I. There are many examples in the Bible about that, of worshiping God even when your heart is not in it. And the devil's right there going, you're such a hypocrite. You can say, go away. (laughs) Go away. It's better for me to worship when I'm struggling and when I'm having a hard time. See, the world, anybody can rejoice when things are going well, correct? Correct. When everything is going well, I mean, if we have those days, don't we, where everything is just like, wow, this is great. And then we have 99 other days that we're just like, everything's just falling apart. Even on those days, to get up out of our pity party and to worship him, however you do that, through sing, through singing, through serving, whatever it is that you do, worship him. He is worthy. Amen. John said back in our text in verse 27, he says, A man can receive nothing unless it's been given to him from heaven. And everything that we have has been given to us. 
Even the salvation and the grace, right? For grace you've been saved. By grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. What? It is a gift of God. A gift is something that's given, not something that's earned. Not of works. I can't earn it, lest any man should boast, otherwise I would. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right. Notice the right, not even the privilege. I mean, it is a privilege, but notice the, he says it's a right that you have as a child of God. Wow. You have the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. You have the right to be a child of God if you believe in his name. That is awesome. No one can boast and say they have gotten anything of their own accord. Nothing. We'll just look at a couple of these. We've received everything from him in John 6.35. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. That means he's got it all covered. He's got our, all of our needs met. But I say to you that you, have, that you who have seen me and do not believe, and all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will no wise, no means cast away. He's given us everything. Even Jesus before Pilate in John 19 He went again into the praetorium and he said to Jesus, Where are you from, Jesus? And Jesus answered Pilate and said, Nothing. And Pilate said, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? And I love what Jesus said. You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you where? From Rome? Because you went to law school? Because of me. Unless it had been given to you from above, therefore the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. No one can boast of the power. All power. Romans 13, we know this verse very well. All power. Let every subject, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by Him. He gives them every authority. Yes, God put Donald Trump into office. Yes, God put Joe Biden in office. And what is it doing? It's stirring things up, isn't it? We've all been stirred up. We have to be praying. But we also have to remember where our heavenly, where our home really is. Don't get me wrong, I'm I'm a patriot right to the heart and to the bone. (laughs) And I will continue to vote, and I will continue to pray for the right things, for the things that are important to God. But I'm never confused about where my residency, where my citizenship really lies. Don't ever get that confused. I'm a Christian first, and I'm an American second. And if you get those two confused, you're you're going to have a lot of hurts. Remember where it is. And again, don't get me wrong. It's not that we don't support. You understand what I'm saying. If you know me at all, you know what I'm talking about. So back in our text, he says, You yourselves bear witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. And John knew who he was. He, he, didn't, he wasn't um, unsure of his mission. He, he, it was very clear to him. And he made that very clear to all, but John's disciples, we can understand in this passage, they're like, like, like Jesus' disciples. They were slow to learn, and they didn't quite get it. And that makes me kind of happy because I'm kind of that way too. 
<laughs> Aren't you glad that the Bible's honest? It doesn't say that the disciples had it all together, and the first time Jesus spoke to something to them, they're like, oh, I get it. You don't even need to explain the parable. It makes total sense to me. <laughs> no, it wasn't that way at all. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.